Two seconds left. Marlins Hyde standing right in front of Kaepernick out of the shotgun. And here it is. Kaepernick will run it and deny the end zone on the game's final play by Indomitian Sue. It's time to talk 49ers football on Gold Faithful with Brian Peacock and Nick Winkler. Hey, hey, thanks for joining us once again on Gold Faithful. we got a great show lined up for you. Two big-time guests today. First, we're going to have Rob Lauder, a contributor over at Niners Wire on the USA Today Network. And then one of our friends uh, came on last year to talk Bears Niners with us, Ryan Covey, sports anchor over at KNBR Radio. So that'll be a good time. And uh, you just heard the call at the top of the show. Cap denied at the two-yard line. By the way, Nick, a fantastic I mean, in my opinion, I think it's easily the best TV broadcast crew we've had for a Niners game this year. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. It was, uh, you know what? It was one of those games where right out of the gate, 49ers, yeah, there you go. That's what the offense is supposed to look like. And then, as per usual, it goes away. And it went away for a long time. And then it finally came back at the end of the game, and you thought, oh, no, here we go. Driving down the field, going to tie this thing up. And maybe even, I was thinking maybe they'd go for two. You know, if they did score that touchdown there at the end and then, uh, you know, then they, they blow it and win their second game of the year. And luckily, none of that had to happen. What a finish to a football game, too. It's exactly what we want for the 49ers at this point in the season, right? I mean, a competitive game where the offense is clicking, looking good, and, and then they lose. No doubt. that's It's the perfect game. Got an email from Sean this week. He says, no true fan wants his or her team to lose games, even if the Browns were to go on to some miraculous run and win two out of their last five games to secure the uh, number one pick for the 49ers. History has shown us that it doesn't matter where you pick in the draft, who you pick is what's important. He talks about Tom Brady being a six-round pick, which I, I don't like that example, but I'm kind of on board with what he has said before that. And, you know, he insinuates that, you know, we're we're doing the wrong show. If we're, if we're rooting for the 49ers to lose, maybe we shouldn't be doing a 49ers show. And and look, and I understand it's it's hard to wrap your brain around that sometimes. The idea of losing, though, is just better for this franchise in the long run, whether it's drafting a player or tr- getting extra picks and trading down and getting accumulating more picks later. It's more valuable for the franchise to get the higher pick. But Sean is absolutely right about the fact that, you know, people pick high and draft crappy players and it doesn't help at all. So you still got to draft the right players. Totally on board with that. But um just because guys like Tom Brady and Dak Prescott get drafted late, that doesn't mean if you're not drafting high, it's better because you can just go ahead and draft one of those guys because that doesn't happen very often. Right. And it's, you know, it's a do you want to be happy today because your team won or do you actually want to get better value for your draft picks next season? Because that's really what it comes down to is this is a long term thing. I'm a long term fan. I've been a fan since I've started watching football back in you know 1988. So for me, it's it's not about just this season. I know this season is gone. And I know that if the 49ers continue to lose they're like you said, they're going to have this great draft position that they could trade. You know, if you have that guy they they want, you know, the second number two pick isn't worth all that much, then you trade down. You know, you get a few extra picks out of it, which is something that, you know, Balky has done in the past, and he's done well. He's gotten a lot of picks. You know, that's something that that he can do. It's one of the few things I've found that he can do in drafts. And if he's still around next season, you know, maybe he does it again. And you mentioned the, the bad email. I mean, we get good emails, too. I mean, here's one from Jimmy. He just said, yeah, guys, don't blow it. Don't win. I, okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. I feel like, yeah, you don't want to go out there. You don't want to tank. 
a football game because these guys are playing for their jobs. We don't know if they're going to be around with this team next year. You know, you, you hear all that, and that all makes sense. These guys want to win football games. But as a fan, as I watch it, that's what I want. I want to see good football. I want to be able to cheer for my team. And then at the end of the day, I want that game to actually mean something. And at this point in the season, a loss means a hell of a lot more than a win. Yeah, and thanks everybody also for the emails we get, whether they're good or bad. That's you know we love getting that uh, correspondence with the with listeners, and um, it's and I totally get it. It's not oh yeah, it's not a bad thing to be rooting for your team. I mean, root for your team to win by all means. I just personally seem I, I think it's better for the franchise to not win games right now, um, and I don't think you're crazy or, or, or wrong for rooting for them to win. But it's actually kind of a blessing because when you look at it this way, you can just sit back and be okay with it with whatever happens. Right. Root for your team to win. Oh man, they don't win, but hey, we get a better draft pick. You know, the, the, <laughs> it's kind of bliss to be at this point because you can't even get that mad about the losses because the losses right now don't matter. They might actually end up being better for you, but you can still root for your team to win. I want to see a good game. The, that's the best part of it is that they were competitive and it was a fun game. It was like, man, this is awesome. This is fun to watch. It's fun football. And he, yeah, and at the same time, you know, I feel like the more Colin Kaepernick is in this offense, you know, he spoke about it today. He's feeling more and more comfortable with the Chip Kelly offense. The more I think, yeah, you know, this could be the quarterback next season. This could be the quarterback of the future for this team. If they can just get him some weapons, they can get a defense can actually stop a team. I mean, they've gotten better as the season has gone on, but at the same time, you know, this, this isn't a a playoff football team by any means. No, No part of it right now is a playoff team, but you see the glimpses from Colin Kaepernick again. I mean, you saw it again this week. You saw it last week. You saw it the week before. He He's really, he's looking healthy. He's looking comfortable in the offense. And he's really, he's making good decisions. His one interception came on a tip ball from Torrey Smith. He, he should have caught that ball. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, to me, it, the takeaways from these games are fantastic. You know, you're seeing, yeah, you know, Blaine Gabbert was not a good quarterback. Colin Kaepernick is a good quarterback. He could be the future of the team. And they're losing. So to me, it's 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 win, 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 win. Absolutely. And I, I love the progress, not, not only yeah. for just Kaepernick individually, but the whole offense seeing, OK, OK, now I get what Chip Kelly's trying to do. And, and I get the way it's supposed to look. And, and to see Carlos Hyde at five yards per carry, by the way, I think they could have given it to him a little bit more. I mean, Cap was the running game, but but Carlos Hyde was having success, too, in that game. But anyways, we'll get back to Kaepernick. Um he improved. He's starting to run Chip's offense like a lot of people thought he possibly could. And that was awesome to see. The, the number one thing that jumped out to me was him using the short stuff, utilizing quick reads, quick passes, hitting some of the shorter stuff, dumping it off to the running backs. That's something that he doesn't necessarily like to do. I don't think it's natural for him. And I think that was the biggest thing that jumped out to me being different from Cap of this week versus Cap in the past. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And it's fun to watch because, you know, we – any 49er fan out there fell in love with Colin Kaepernick when he first burst onto the scene. How could you not? The guy was exciting. He was something different and, and he was winning. Absolutely. And, and to see him go out there and start to do it again, it just kind of, it just kind of reinvigorates that fire within you. And, and it, again, they're not going anywhere this year, but this could be that foundation. You know, this could be, yeah, you, you want to, you know, have that element of winning in your franchise. You don't want to just be, you know, the perennial losers. And then you have this culture of losing and this and that the 49ers aren't that team. We know that. They, they've been through their slumps, but they always rise back up from it. And right now, it's a downtime. And as 49er fans that have been around for more than five seasons know that the downtimes stink and they suck. But at the same time, if you do the right things and you do draft the right people and you get the right guys and, you know, maybe you you 
hit the lottery with a couple of the, your late draft picks or even your early draft picks. That's been kind of an issue with the 49ers as well. And then you just, you get right back up on top. I mean, that's the NFL. This team has nearly $60 million in cap room to spend next year. I mean, maybe they actually spend it and they can give Colin Kaepernick some weapons around him and they can go out and they can put up 40 points a game and they don't need to worry too much about their defense. I mean, th- there's a lot that can be that, we, that we've seen now. Like you mentioned it, you know, this is, this is what that offense is supposed to look like. And now we've seen it. And if you add a couple of weapons to it, I, man, I really think the sky's the limit. I will say this. If I was the head coach of the dolphins, I'd be a little bit annoyed at Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator. I really don't. I I just think he, he played the blue. He showed the blueprint of how not to play against the Niners (laughs) and Colin Kaepernick. Um, and, And what we've seen is a steady diet of zone defenses and, and zone blitzes and, and making, Confusing Kaepernick, making him uncomfortable, making it hard for him to know where his escape routes are and uh, where his players are going to be open pre-snap. And what the Dolphins did was just make it easy for him. They were playing too deep man for most of the game, rushing only four guys. So when they weren't getting pressure, there was not a lot of uh, not a lot of bodies to to keep Cap wrapped up. So he had an easy escape route and make it easy for Chip Kelly to dial up routes that could beat man coverage. And they didn't really change it that much, so I don't know what. Right. I think they just thought, well, you know, we've got Dominican Sue, and we've got uh, we've got some good pass rushers here. We've got a good middle linebacker and Kiko Lonzo that can chase Cap down. I think they underestimated how hard it would be to corral Kaepernick. Um, and Kiko Lonzo was all over the place, but man, he was having a rough day until he finally did come up with that last play along with Sue and uh, stopped Kaepernick short. And then uh, when you look at the Niners' defense, to me, I mean, to me, it's a no-win situation right now because they're kind of undermanned. I think Jim O'Neill kind of did what he has to do, and I hope he continues to do it this way, is he did what he could to stop the run, and the strength of his team is still in that secondary. So hopefully those young guys let him cover, and hopefully they can cover guys long enough. But you got to stop the run first, and, and, and that's what they tried to do. It didn't work great. Tannehill had one of his best games of the season, but it's kind of Jim O'Neill was doing what he had to as a defensive coordinator, and I thought Vance Joseph needed to do something completely different. Right. And, you know, it, it got really sickening to watch the 49ers there for a while, just getting being shredded over and over by the offensive line of the other team and the running back and or running backs of the other team. So it's been nice these past few weeks to, you know, yeah, uh, Blunt ran for well, over 100 yards, but a lot of that was in garbage time late. And, you know, they held the Giant to 45 yards. You know, they even held Chris John or uh, David Johnson in check. I mean, this is a team that that has really focused on stopping the run. And for me, that's good. That's it makes the games a whole lot more watchable to me. You know, when a quarterback drops back in the pocket and he has all day to pass and he's completing long passes down the field. OK, you know, that that's the pass rush. And, you know, that's been a problem all season, too. But now it's not also the pass rush and the rush defense. You know, it's they've at least kind of taken care of one of those sour spots, one of those things that has made it almost unwatchable Yes, for, for most of the season. No doubt. I, I totally agree there. And I mentioned how the team's undermanned. Can we just go over the injured reserve list oh, right now? No, because brutal. you can add Shane Scove to that list now. And I was really bummed out yeah. because I was excited that he was going to get some run in this game and he got hurt, hurt pretty quickly. I, that was uh, your guy. And he didn't make really any plays while he was in there for the short time. And now he's done for the year. So, um, so you got Eric Armstead. Uh, this is in alphabetical order. Um, Eric Armstead's on Ray Ray Armstrong, Navarro Bowman. Those should be the two starting middle linebackers there. You've got uh, Chris Davis, Bruce Ellington, Thad Lewis, Will Redman, who has still not played a snap. And then Eric Reed last week, Shane Scove this week, Eric Rogers 
hasn't played a snap for the 49ers yet either uh, with the offseason ACL coming out of the CFL. That's a lot to lose some very important players, especially on defense, on that list. And um, they were already undermanned coming in on offense. So then when you take some of your best players away on the defensive side, man, it's, it's a rough go. So I will give it to Jim O'Neill because I wanted to see something a little bit different. And, you know, in his he, he was interviewed today, actually. And I have a, a clip where he talks about Chris Jones, who came in off the street and did a pretty darn good job on the defensive line for the 49ers in this game, helping plug up those those run holes, which is something Eric Armstead's really going to have to work on because he's, yeah. um, you know, he he can destroy the human being across from him, uh, but he doesn't always play with his gap responsibility. So he, he's going to have to improve there for sure. Um, and obviously we didn't get to see him full strength because he had hurt his shoulder so early on in the season. But yeah, O'Neal, I'll give him props because he's trying what he has to do to try to make something happen. And so that's good. And you're so you're seeing improvement there with that run defense. You're seeing improvement with Kaepernick and Chip Kelly's offense as a whole. So good things. Those those are all definitely good things to take away from this. And I do want to play this Jim O'Neill clip real quick. I thought Chris Chris Jones did a great job. I thought he gave a boost to our defense. Uh, he was rock solid at the end position for us. Took uh, took two linemen a lot and, and allowed uh, Nick Pelor and Gerald Hodges to scrape free to the ball. And I thought that he was one of the reasons we had so much success in the run game. So I, I mean, I would. He's going to continue to have a role in our defense. So there you go, Chris Jones coming in and doing a nice job, and you know, along with Glenn Dorsey, because you, that's what this defense really lacked early in the seasons. You need you need a couple of guys in there that are wider than they are tall. <laughs> right. How about Jeremy Curley's catch? That was sweet. The play before that last play that we heard at the opening, right? Uh, that was awesome. I mean, props to Jeremy Curley because he's another guy. He's not the most. He's not the biggest guy. Not the most athletic guy, but he plays his butt off. Um, right now, he's by far, I think, the best receiver on the 49ers, and that includes Torrey Smith. No, Curly has just been, I mean, talk about a guy that, you know, bouncing around, you know, gets basically traded for for peanuts, a guy that went from the Lions, and then the Lions dumped the guy that they traded for. And, I mean, this is a guy that didn't even know this offense, that came in at the last minute and has produced. He's been nothing but solid week in and week out for this football team. And I think the 49ers need a lot more guys like that. You know, a lot of guys that just aren't afraid to go make a play. I mean, even Rod Streeter uh, came over, you know, middle of the season there, at least early on. And and he, he looked great too, making four catches, you know, had that nice 25 yarder and Vance McDonald, you know, Garrett Selleck. I mean, a couple of big lug tight ends that are out there. I just, it's nice to see some of these guys pop up now and then, but at the same time, like none of them are stars. None of them, I believe, are going to be stars. There just aren't those kind of guys on the 49ers right now. If you take Carlos Hyde out of the equation, I mean, even that is still kind of debatable at this point with Carlos Hyde because they just don't use him enough. It was nice to see him make some catches out of the backfield, too. I haven't seen a whole lot of that this season from Hyde. I mean, yeah, of course, the injuries have kept him on the sideline, but five catches for Carlos Hyde. That's guy almost got a hundred yards. He's only done that one once. No, this that's, season. that's important. Uh, and that's part of Chick Kelly's offense. I want to see yeah. more of that. that, that uh, that's absolutely got to happen. That's what I was talking about with cap kind of u- utilizing that running back, utilizing the shorter passing game. And when you bring up Rod Streeter, it's crazy because he shows up and it's such a stark difference. You realize how athletically the challenge the 49ers are. You see a guy and goes right. like, wait, whoa, who's that guy? He's kind of tall and kind of fast. Yeah. You know, like, what the heck? Where'd he come from? We don't <laughs> yeah. have one of those guys on our team. And I posted this on Twitter. I, I did the uh, routes for that Miami and San Francisco game this week. And Streeter, he just stands out because of his length and his speed combo with the 49ers just don't have coming into the season. They might have hoped that Eric Rodgers would have been that guy. But 
it's funny because he's also it looks like he's really tentative. I mean, obviously he was on the street too, so he's he's not a world beater as a wide receiver because every other team in the league could have also had him on their roster. But I don't know if this is just his mo is just he's a bad route runner, but he's he runs routes differently than everybody else on the team uh, and looks really tentative sometimes. Um, kind of goes over the middle and, and kind of slows down. I don't think he likes hanging out where the linebackers are, but um, yeah, just seeing seeing someone tall and fast. We need a lot more of that, and that's going to be addressed in the offseason, absolutely. Yeah, you, you mentioned that. I mean, why don't we go ahead and, and get Rob Lauder on here? I mean, this guy is, you know, all about the draft class, so let's let's talk to him. Let's do it. All right, he's a writer and producer for the Niners Wire. You can follow him on Twitter, at Rob underscore Lauder. Hey, Rob, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. Glad to be on here. So, Rob... You put out an article recently, 2017 Draft 101 Introduction to the Wide Receiver Class. Of course, wide receivers been an issue for San Francisco in the draft, to put it lightly. Trent Balky in particular. What do you, I mean, for those people out there, our listeners who haven't read your article, I mean, by the way, those of you who haven't, you really should go check it out. Can you kind of break it down for, for the casual listener out there? Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, first, it's it's pretty much exactly what she says. It's just a breakdown to uh, the prospects that the 49ers should definitely be looking at. Because like you mentioned earlier, there is no more fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round, undrafted free agent investments. I mean, I'm sure they're going to make some, but at this point they have to be looking at it in like the first, second and third round. There's really no way around that. So I went ahead and took a look at the, I think it's the top five prospects and kind of broke down what each the skill set of each one and what they offer and kind of really the uh, the general takeaway from it all is that the 49ers could use every single one of them not that they're going to get all of them but as far <laughs> as skill sets goes they could use every single one of them and what every single one of them brings to the table yeah you know we were just talking about that on the show we were talking about rod streeter and jeremy curley and where these guys come from you know these guys were basically dropped by their other teams and they're out here <laughs> starring for the 49ers and yeah, they, they need those guys they need you know, they need defensive help everywhere on the defensive line. Is, are there going to be more articles coming from you uh, focusing on other positions? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and with me, it's like I can't think of a good analogy to describe it, but as much as I am trying to relish the fact that football season is here and, you know, I know what it's like to not have it and I'm trying to remember that feeling, I can't wait for the draft. It's just like it's my time of year. It's my Christmas. I love writing about it. I love, uh, you know, Every single mock draft, no matter how unrealistic it is, I love it all. So, yeah, you'll definitely see a lot more from me and Chris and the guys uh, at Niners Wire with that. That's just we're, we're all looking forward to it, to be honest. Yes, I'm right there with you. The draft is definitely – for me, it's way better than Christmas because I hate Christmas. I hate all holidays, but I love draft day. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, well, we, I mean, it's, it, really, it really should be a holiday. I mean, who are we kidding? It, it, right. it should oh. be. I should be able to take that day off work. I shouldn't have to worry about it, and that should be my day. But the whole it, weekend. That's not the case. Yeah. Oh, I was just actually going to look at your uh, article and it had some hip hop pop up on me. Oh, um, yeah. You got those automatic videos. It can sort of be a pain in the butt sometimes. That's right. I should just groove that in and have your uh, intro music. Yeah, um, pretty slick. Hey, so, so talking about the wide receivers, are you a Corey Davis guy or are you a Mike Williams guy? Because those are my two top wide receivers right now. And I think they should be your two top wide receivers. I think that's one and two. Um, I think they're the two most complete. You know, I really like what John Ross from Washington brings to the table, but. I've never had as much of an attachment to guys that are known primarily for their speed. Um, he's one, uh, John Ross is one that was rumored to be doing, you know, in the four twos at practice. Not like we've never heard that before, right. but 
you know, it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the combine. But I think I think it's all about Mike Williams and Corey Davis. I think Corey Davis is easily far and away the most well-rounded of the group. He's just, you know, between size, route running, hands, pretty much everything. Uh, he's got it all. But I, for some reason lately, I've just been falling in love with Mike Davis and the fact that he's one of those uh, you can be as close to me as you want to be, but you're not really covering me type of guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love the fact that, you know, and, and the 49ers haven't had that since what Terrell Owens, you know what I mean? Like, so he's kind of the one I'm leaning to, but I think he's going to be one where you have to make like a, a, a top 10 investment in. And, you know, obviously the combine is going to be big for a lot of these players. And I believe Corey Davis accepted his invite to the senior bowl, which is awesome. So we get to see him on the field against some better competition. Obviously, over at Western Kentucky, he doesn't get a ton of um, Western Michigan. I'm sorry, get a, a, a ton of top tier competition of quarterbacks to go against. So so that'll be really fun to see, too. And and for me, it was really awesome to see Mike Williams come back from his nasty neck injury last year. And uh, he's a height, weight, speed guy. And I think he might have, over Davis, a little bit better ability to go up and get the ball in a crowd. Um, and I want to see Davis get a little nastier when he does try to try to mix it up with DBs and, and, and snag the ball away from him. Um, but obviously, you know, there might be injury concerns there due to his neck. But is there anybody else you see after, after those guys, someone that you really uh, like that might not be maybe on the first-round radar? Well, the, the only other one I've got on that article that we kind of haven't mentioned yet is, uh, is D.B. Westbrook from Oklahoma, which is yes. he's really, really interesting because he's like Sterling Shepard left and Westbrook took, uh, took up his mantle in the exact same type of way. Like he is a, almost a mirror image of Sterling Shepard in the way they play. They're not huge, but they're very, very um, – they they're honed in on their craft. They're very, very good route runners. They're very quick, you know, the, whole, uh, the quicker than fast phrase. Um, He's really, really intriguing, and he's just been on fire lately. He's um, what I mentioned in the article is the fact that he started off with a couple bad games, was almost off the radar, and then he got into October and just he had like a season's worth of production just in October. I think it was uh, like 40 catches for over almost 900 yards and 11 touchdowns or something like that just in one month. So uh, he's really impressive. I think if you're impressed with what Sterling Shepard's been able to do in the NFL, I think you could just look at him and say, okay, we're almost going to get the exact same type of production. So Rob, let's say that the season, you know, finishes the way it is right now. 49ers get that number two pick. Uh, they're, they're not going to go wide receiver there, right? I mean, it just seems like it's a little bit early. It's kind of a bulky move to, to trade down out of that position, but say they do hold on to that two pick. Do you actually see them going wide receiver? Or you think that they'll go with another one of their many glaring needs on this football team? Well, see, that's rough because it's like if you're going to take a wide receiver at two, which, I mean, you got to compare it to, to the greats. Like Julio Jones, I think he was taken with like the sixth pick, and I think that was one before the 49ers that year. Mm-hmm. And uh, like Odell Beckham was what, the 12th, 13th, somewhere in there, wherever the Giants were. Yeah, right in there. So it's tough to, it's tough to have a, a convincing reason to take a wide receiver that, that high. I mean, Amari Cooper went fourth, which I completely understood at the time. I, I was in love with him and his ability. It's it's just tough to sell a wide receiver at two, you know, especially when we're looking at a whole first round, you know, a whole set of five prospects that could go anywhere in the round, and they're all going to have really, really uh, significant impacts. So, if it, I think the whole what you do at two thing depends, you know, unfortunately on the cliche of what happens at number one, because if by some miracle uh, Miles Garrett is sitting there at two, I think there's no question about that. Like it makes it the easiest pick they've made in a long time, but. You know, like you said, I think 
There's nothing really at two that's that impressive, and I think this is actually a great draft to try and trade back a little bit. But, you know, as far as wide receiver goes, I wouldn't see them taking one at two. Yeah, I think Megatron was the last wide receiver to go that high. He went number two overall in 2007, and that's the kind of guy you would have to look like, I think, right. to go that high. You would have to be 6'5 and run four threes and, and be just a ridiculous yeah, human just being. This- utterly dominant you know wide receiver and and even when you look at what mike evans is doing now he should have gone a little higher than he went but he still went at seven so it's it's tough to, to justify something that high i'm totally on board with you on that garrett i think is the is easily the number one overall prospect in this draft um and the only other thing that could probably overtake him for me right now would be a quarterback if someone is able to rise up the ranks and look if, if a quarterback is worth the number two pick He's probably worth the number one pick. So it would be really hard to sit there and say, well, I would rather have Garrett than this franchise-changing quarterback, as good as Garrett is. And and right now I don't really see that guy. One name that's interesting to me is Mitch Trubisky, who I think has the the opportunity to rise a little bit. And I haven't seen enough of him yet to really put a a full grade on where I think he should go. But from what I've seen, I've really liked a lot of it. And uh, after Garrett, that might be the fallback would be hopefully somebody at, at the quarterback position, you know, just at least puts their name in a spot where you think, okay, if we did trade down, we might have to trade too far anyways. You know, if, if they're worth the seventh pick, you know, why not just take him at two? And I think we saw that last year with Goff and Wentz where teams were like, you know what, let's just go up to one and two and get this guy. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got to, you guys, you just got to kind of, it's kind of weighing a, a value versus a need thing. Like they always say, and especially Trent Balky, that's his thing, is, you know, stick to your board go with your value. But when you're a team that's this high up on the draft board, you have to weigh your needs and kind of push those into the equation of, you know, you might not have a quarterback valued as high as the number two pick, but you've kind of pushed yourself into this position where it has to be considered. And I think Mitch, by the end of the process, you know how drastically things will change between now and before draft day. But I think by the end of the process, I think uh, Trubisky is going to be seen as that number one quarterback. And, you know, if, like you said, you kind of summed it up better than anybody could. It's like if you're going to trade back and take him at six or seven and risk somebody trading up in front of you to get him, uh, you might as well just take him at two and stay where you are. And I think I think he's the quarterback that's kind of the uh, the most well-rounded, kind of the most prototypical um, pro-style quarterback. And then you have the other guys that are – I would probably say most would agree they have a higher ceiling, but you really don't know what you get with Watson and Kaiser from Clemson and Notre Dame. They're just a little inconsistent. At times, you're completely dazzled by what they're doing, and then at times, you're a little terrified. So it's it's a, it's a tough ticket to. It's kind of a you're not in control, but you're not. You know what I mean? Like with with the second pick, it's a, it's a rough spot this year. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And, and you know, who knows? They beat the Bears this week, and they might drop down another spot or two. You've got Jacksonville and Chicago both with two wins. Um, so I've got a Trent Balky clip that I'm sure you've heard, where he was talking on the KMBR pregame show this weekend, and uh, I didn't get to play it earlier. So I want to play it for you now, and then I want to ask you a little question about it. It's a draining experience. It's. Uh... You know, feel bad for the fans, feel bad for a lot of people, uh, ownership in particular, who've, uh, you know, they give us everything, everything we need. And I've, I've said that, I've gone public with that. Uh, you know, if we don't get it done, if, uh, you know, put it on me, you know, because we've got all the resources necessary. Funding's never been an issue at the free agent market uh, or any other thing that we've needed. So it, it's, it, it falls strictly on my shoulders and, and uh, disappointed, disappointed with the outcome up to now. So the trend bulky there to me it comes off as him going out out of his way 
to throw himself under the bus and, and, and make him make his voice heard, you know, feeling bad for the fans and ownership. Um, I think that is more for ownership than it is for fans. How do you feel when you hear Trent Baalke say something like that? Well, I, I think you're exactly right. I think he's kind of at this point. It's almost like when you're a young kid and you knew you did something wrong and you knew your parents were going to find out about it 100% and you kind of weighed the options. You said, okay, I might as well talk about it right now rather than <laughs> let them find out on their own terms. It's kind of the same thing. And obviously he's just owning up to what has become very, very obvious at this point. Um, I mean, one of the articles I spent the most time on recently was, was aptly titled, this is all your fault, Trent Baalke. So, you know, it, in the end, there's two things that can happen. Either management decides, or excuse me, ownership decides that he is kind of beyond reclaim at this point, and they don't think he can be the guy to right the ship. Or, you know, Balky realizes his own failures, looks back at the drafts he's had, finds the failures he's had, and actually turns around and makes something of it, which just by my nature, I'm more of a positive guy. I would love to see that rather than him, him lose his job. But at the same time, if you look back, it's a performance-driven league. And if you look back at his drafts, there's just not a whole lot to hold on to. So, um, uh, you know, him saying that is just kind of, you know, putting out into the air what's already obvious, uh, good on him, that he's able to talk about it, and then he hasn't kind of hid from it. But, you know, where we go from here uh, is going to be a very, very interesting road. So before we let you go, I do want to ask you, we talked about the quarterback position and some of the guys in the draft a little bit earlier. Um, now that we've seen Cap sort of develop a little bit in Chip Kelly's scheme, I know a lot of fans kind of get excited and maybe get too excited. How do you feel? Colin Kaepernick, quarterback of the future? Well, I mean, and like I was in the, in the same way I was talking about Trent Baalke, I would love to see Colin Kaepernick turn it around. You know, even I've been a pretty big critique of his and some of the problems he was having. Um, but, you know, he's had a few really, really good games. Uh, his last game um, against the Dolphins was one of his best games of his entire career when you look at it as a whole, you know, going all the way back to throwing for over 400 yards against Green Bay. So uh, it was one of his best games. I would love to see him turn around. And what that does for the 49ers is say, okay, we've got another – we've got a solid option for another year. We, If we are totally sold by a quarterback this year, we can draft him now and let him develop for an entire year underneath Kaepernick or we can wait on a QB altogether and try and approach that next year. You know, I, I, I think those are the two options. I think they definitely, if his play stays at kind of a, an even keel, you know, that's always been his thing is consistency. If he can keep that up, I think you should definitely keep him around, no matter what, if he's willing to stay, because he's got a little bit more leverage than the 49ers do at this point. Um, definitely keep him around and, and let him play out the next year. That way, whoever you take this year, I think no matter what, they need to select a quarterback fairly high in the draft. You know, whether it becomes a great backup or a starter, is, you know, that's in the future. But I think no matter what, I think they should definitely keep him around. He's the writer and producer for the Niners Wire. Follow him on Twitter at Rob underscore Louder. That's L-O-W-D-E-R. Hey, Rob, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Rob. Hey, not a problem at all. I appreciate it. Great stuff there. I mean, that's that's right up your alley, man. Dipping the toes into the uh, draft waters a little bit there. Yeah. We're going to be dealing with uh, seventh-round wide receivers by the end of it. So uh, I guess get to <laughs> get our feet wet with those first-round guys. Um, back to Cap real quick. One of the interesting things, you're talking about how this might not be the, the best draft for quarterbacks. The thing I'm seeing with Kaepernick is – I'm not going to say that he's like, okay, Cap's back and he's our guy and, you know, you go into the future with Kaepernick. But if he's okay with staying, obviously he can opt out. But Cap might be playing well enough to be that guy who's the veteran quarterback 
maybe you do take a Miles Garrett at the top of the draft, or you take a defensive player, you trade down, you get a wide receiver, you get some other things. You go with Cap as your veteran quarterback into 2017, and then you take a mid-round quarterback and, and, and see if you strike gold there, get lucky. If not, you're developing a backup quarterback. Then you're at 2018 looking at what's, what's I mean, obviously it's a long ways away, looking at what is most likely going to be a really good quarterback draft, and then maybe you go get your top-of-the-draft QB there. I think that if you, if you keep Chip Kelly, I think you got to keep Colin Kaepernick at this point. I mean, why, you know, you don't want to bring in another guy and have another guy have to learn that system all over again. I mean, he's shown that he can run that system well. So I think, I think right now that Colin Kaepernick's future with the 49ers is tied to Chip Kelly. I agree. Some continuity, let that develop. Cause obviously we, it's developed this far. So how, how far can that go? How far can right. that development go? And what can you look at if you do add some really good players in free agency and through the draft? And you have some more talent on that offense. And, you know, who knows? There's a lot of games left here. I feel differently about it this week than I did last week. And so that's what's kind of interesting about this season. So uh, we'll see when the season plays out and how we feel about Kaepernick and how Kaepernick feels about the 49ers. Because if he does play well enough, what it's going to be is it takes it out of the 49ers' hands because they're not going to cut him. He's going to have to opt out and cut himself, essentially. Uh, and he's, he might do that no matter what happens. I can't imagine him living leaving all that money on the table. No one's lining up out there to give him, you know, $20 million a year. I don't know. You saw how much Brock yeah, Osweiler made, who's a, got, not yeah, a good the, quarterback. <laughs> the Bears need a quarterback. The Jets need a quarterback. Even uh, the Texans need a quarterback. Well, I mean, yeah, I so, guess you're right. Put it this way. The, the better we like Cap at the end of the year is the better all the other yeah. teams in the NFL that need quarterbacks are going to like Cap at the end of the year. Yeah, that's a good point. So that'll be interesting. Uh, how, do you, how do you feel about those comments from Trent Baalke? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, it, I totally like, agree with Rob on this one. It's pretty obvious, you know, and he just kind of, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just uh, tell you guys what you already know, but I'm saying it. So it, it makes me look better. Yeah, it does make him look better. I, but I know that it, just basing it off of Twitter, which there's some insane people out there, but uh, basing it off Twitter, there were some people that just got even more ticked off about it. It's like they got <laughs> reminded, it was like they got, it was like, you know, their girlfriend cheated on him, but then someone just showed him a video of it. You know what I mean? It was like, it just it just twisted the knife a little bit. And I was like, oh, man, I thought it was something that could only help Balky by saying something like that. And some people just got angry. I thought yeah. that was kind of funny. And I, I you know, I don't blame them. You can't pl- please all the people all the time, man, no, no matter what. <laughs> you definitely can't. Enough looking back, man. Let's look forward, Bears, this weekend. This is a winnable game, right? Ooh, it absolutely is a winnable game. Yeah, it's a two and nine team both their wins came at home though so it's also a very losable game for the 49ers as well uh I, as always i'm just rooting for you know that competitive football game uh the bears are on their third quarterback of the season uh, matt barkley do his first nfl touchdown pass recently and that's hard to do the guy's been in the nfl i feel like a really long time is that just me he has. It feels like forever. I was blown yeah. away when I saw that. I saw someone say that uh, who would have thought Jared Goff would have thrown his first touchdown pass before Matt Barkley. No one. No yeah. one would have said that. It's crazy. And so, oh, gosh, man, I, I watched that that Bears and Titans game mm-hmm. earlier today, actually, before I came into work. And he, man, that, that team, you talk about the 49ers being undermanned, the Bears, man, they've been through so many injuries. They have uh, – you. Exp- I mean, you, you know Jay Cutler and Alshon Jeffrey and the big draft pick, Kevin White. And then you look at their offense and it's like Barkley and he's throwing to Meredith and he's throwing to Thompson and he's, you know, 
Eddie Royal's right. still going in there. It's they're definitely undermanned on both sides of the ball. So after watching that Bears team, I thought, man, I think the 49ers have a lot better shot based on record uh, than you might think coming in. And I, I mean, I would if I was a betting man, I would put my money on the 49ers in this game. Yeah, I, I probably would as well. I, you know, I don't like that they have to travel across the country, obviously, to play that early morning game on Sunday. But, yeah, the Bears are so beat up. They, they're they very similar to the 49ers right now. These two franchises are kind of in the same spot. Uh, Bears have a lot of young talent uh, on the offensive side for sure, uh, especially with Jordan Howard. That guy looks like he is a, a legit number one running back there in the NFL. Uh the defense is pretty middle of the road. Their offense is actually pretty middle of the road, too, when it comes to yardage on both uh, sides of the ball there. I just, you know, at this point, the, the Niners aren't getting that number one draft pick. You know, the Browns are not going to win a football game. And they at this point, would probably need to win two for the 49ers to get that top spot. So another win. This, this does look like a, a winnable foot game, football game maybe next week against the Jets, too. Uh, it's kind of scary that the, the Niners could be – you know, looking at what three and nine here in a couple of weekends. It's going to be a very similar game plan. You've got a good yeah. running back who's a power back that you're going to have to put a lot of resources into stopping him. And then it becomes, okay, can Matt Barkley throwing to his, you know, his wide receiving core, can that tear you apart? Can that beat you like the Dolphins did? But the Dolphins had Tannehill, the Dolphins had uh, Devontae Parker, and they have Hills and yeah, yeah, they had all their right. top receivers in there. Whereas, yeah, the Bears are missing Alson Jeffrey, they're missing Zach Miller, and those are their top two targets this season, both done, you know, for this game at least. Yeah, and even when it's, Devontae Parker got hurt, they had their fourth receiver comes in. Leontay right. Carew is a pretty high draft pick, pretty well built guy, by the way, for a rookie. Looks like he could hurt somebody. <laughs> He's, He's got a grown that, man, that <laughs> Anquan Bolden kind of build, but yeah, so I don't think the Bears have the firepower that the Dolphins did. Um, and obviously under John Fox, it's a different kind of system that they're running over there versus what Miami's doing, spreading it out and, and can, is kind of ready to, to throw it on you at any moment. So uh, for that reason, I think I like the matchup better, even if it's the same type of game where you have to sell out versus the run and, and kind of bring everybody up and, and worry about the running game more so than the passing game and let your guys be on an island. And, and uh, I see the 49ers winning that game. I, I I think they can win it by a lot. Being on the road is the only reason that makes gives me pause a little bit. I think at home, I would definitely go 49ers, no doubt about it. But it could be a close one. It could be a good game. So that's what I'm hoping for, another good game. Yeah, of course. That That's all we're rooting for at this point of the season. Uh, a loss is the ideal outcome. Uh, if you're looking for the future and investment in the team, things like that. Um, before we go, you know, too deep into this game, let's get Let's get the, the biggest Bears fan I know on the phone talking, of course, about Ryan Covey. All right, he's a sports anchor, producer, host, update guy. He he pretty much does it all over there at KMBR 680 San Francisco. He's also a lifelong Bears fan, which is why we have him on the show today. Follow him on Twitter, at Ryan Covey. Hey, Ryan, thanks for joining us. Hey, fellas, I look forward to nothing more than to coming on with you guys and talking football. Look, we cover everything over at KMBR, but – my heart is on the gridiron, and we know that. And, uh, boy, tough year for uh, both of our squads, man. I mean, I don't know whose franchise is in more disarray, the Niners or the Bears. Yeah, you know, that's where I was headed, man. I mean, both teams are headed in the wrong direction. Do you see any bright spots coming out of this season for the Bears? Uh, Jordan Howard, um, that's definitely a place to start. Obviously, 
Chi-Town uh, said goodbye to Matt Forte, thinking Jeremy Langford was probably ready to take over as the primary back. And we know John Fox will have a conservative approach. Um, so Jordan Howard, uh, fifth-round pick this year, has really impressed me. He's taken over the starting job. Langford was ineffective and then injured. Uh, and when Howard got in there, he really flourished. Uh, he's got great vision, hits the hole hard. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's maybe not quite on a Matt Forte level, but uh, he's, he's a production guy, man. And I just I don't see any, any, any holes in his game. Uh, on the defensive side, our first-round draft pick, Leonard Floyd, is having a really nice year. Um, he suffered an injury a couple of weeks ago. That's kind of, uh, you know, maybe uh, taking his season off the rails just a little bit. But uh, really, other than that, guys, it's been an absolute disaster this year. Um, I think John Fox uh, will probably be on his way out. Keep in mind, fellas, this Bears 49ers game uh, play, was played the same week last year, okay? And going into that game last year, the Bears were 5-6. and six. They had lost a couple of tight ball games. And, you know, it was their first year under John Fox. Uh, Color uh, was playing under offensive coordinator Adam Gase, who we know is now down in Miami doing a hell of a job. Uh, and, you know, we could see progress as Bears fans. Five and six, chance to get to 500, maybe make a run of the wild card. Nobody thought the Bears would win the Super Bowl last year, but we want to see progress. Uh, and that, obviously, the Niners game didn't go their way last year. Torrey Smith to catch an overtime. We know the story. But this year, we were hoping to maybe take that next step under John Fox. It's been the exact opposite. Yeah, they've been hit hard by injury, but they've been hit hard by the we still believe Jay Cutler can be a franchise quarterback, and anybody that knows football and watches it the way we do <laughs> knows Jay Cutler is not a franchise quarterback. He's never going to win a Super Bowl. The sooner they can cut ties with him, the better. But, of course, there it was. He's like a cockroach. I saw another story this week. Bears may retain Cutler for 2017. Oh, no. It's like, does this ever stop? I mean, seriously. No, come on, man. I mean, you're just guaranteeing yourself mediocrity. I mean, how long do we have to watch Jay Cutler play? I mean, you know better than I do. I see Jay Cutler at the top of that depth chart for quarterback for roster, and I think, great. You know, I mean, he should go play quarterback for a Jeff Fisher team next year somewhere and have the perfect 7-9 and nine team that just rides off into the sunset into perpetuity yeah. and just is 7-9 and nine forever. Totally. Uh, they, they, actually, that seems like a great match made in heaven uh, for sure. I mean, Cutler, look, it, it, the guy, I've said this for years. I thought, first of all, I thought guys that went to Vanderbilt were supposed to be smart. Um, but Cutler has made so many dumb plays over the years in the pocket, throwing on his back foot. It's almost like he plays quarterback with an arrogance. Like Tom Brady plays with like cockiness, but like, you know, you could tell, you know, he's, he's out there handling his business. Cutler plays with that same cockiness, but he doesn't have the results to back it up. Uh, and it, it just, at some point, you just, I mean, how many times can you just bash your head against the wall? I mean, you know, it, 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 at some point you just got to say, look, man, this isn't working out. Uh, now, do they draft a, a young quarterback? I mean, do they try and bring in a veteran? There's going to be some guys out there, Tony Romo, maybe Colin Kaepernick. Uh, who knows? But in the NFL, same thing. The, the, the Bears and the 49ers have a lot of similarities right now. Two teams kind of still holding on to some of the parts of the past, but we all know the writing's on the wall. It's time to look to the future, and it all starts with a franchise quarterback. I mean, think about where the Oakland Raiders were at a couple of years ago. They were in the doldrums, you know, couldn't get back to the playoffs, haven't had a winning season since they lost in the Super Bowl. What do they do? They go out and get a franchise quarterback, a hell of a head coach in Jack Del Rio, and a defensive identity. Right now the Bears may have a guy they can build around defensively and Leonard Floyd. Love the first-round draft pick. Uh, but otherwise, they still don't have the franchise quarterback, and they don't have the head coach. So they're still missing two of the ingredients. And, I mean, you look around the NFL, that's, that's the ingredient. That's, that's the, the, the bare minimum to start if you want to be – a, a legitimate Super Bowl contender in the NFL. And the, the 49ers and the Bears are both eons away. I, and I don't, you know, honestly, guys, 
I mean, the Bears are a little snake bitten with injury, things like that. But I don't see it getting better really anytime soon. Uh, and it's tough because, you know, hey, when the Bears are, are playing well, that, that makes my life a lot happier. Hey, you know, speaking of quarterback, Ryan, this weekend, uh, Matt Barkley is going to be starting under center. He, he, you know, he did he did what it seems like uh, every fill-in there in Chicago does, throws for 300 yards, a couple of picks. Uh, right. Brian Hoyer, right. another guy that, right. you know, he steps in, you think, okay. Josh yeah, McCown. Yeah, 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 exactly. Whoever whoever wants to step in there, just throw for a bunch of yards, don't get the win, and uh, throw a couple right. touchdowns, a couple picks. Uh, do you see any signs of life there with Barkley of a, of a possible, you know, hey, maybe this guy does have it. He's been in the league a couple of years now. Well, he's bounced around. Yeah, you know, he, he's one of those guys. We know what his ceiling is. You know what I mean? There, he has certain physical limitations. The thing you hang your hat on with a guy like Cutler is, while he's reasonably mobile in the pocket, we know he's got a cannon for an arm. Right. Barkley doesn't do anything particularly well. Um, you know, he's, he's, a kind of, he's, he's a backup, you know, and there's a reason why guys are backups in the NFL, and there's a reason why there are so many poor starters in the NFL because it's a tough job, and these defenses are so good, and you just have to have, you know, uh, you have to be special in a couple of areas to be a, an effective quarterback, to be a winning quarterback in the NFL, and Barkley's just not special. Uh, yeah, you might put up the odd game against, uh, you know, a mediocre defense. I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, against Green Bay, um, you know, he played a couple of snaps, didn't look great in that game, and then Tennessee last week, you know, he threw the ball 54 times. So, uh, you know, the Bears were playing from behind in that game a lot. So, if you throw the ball 54 times against the Tennessee Titans defense, you're going to put up some numbers. But, I mean, he still ended up throwing a couple of picks. And like you said, I mean, it was just enough to to get beat by a score and, you know, on to the next week. But uh, it's kind of one of those times, guys, where, look, the 49ers and the Bears, again, a lot of similarities. Neither one of these teams are going anywhere. So it's like, okay, well, do we look to the future with, uh, you know, the next year's draft? Uh, you know, and, and I'm a, I'm, I've long said I do not like the whole uh, losing games to possibly gain draft leverage, A, because – who knows how these picks are going to turn out. But also, you want to establish a winning culture. And the sooner you can get to winning football games, uh, the sooner you can kind of be, you know, especially with young players, you can begin to get that attitude where teams expect to win. The Oakland Raiders are now at a point where they expect to win on Sundays. 49ers fans, Bears fans, they don't expect to win on Sundays. They expect to lose, and nine out of ten times, that's what happens. Uh, so the sooner you can change the, the whole mindset and identity of your franchise, you're moving in the right direction. But I just think it starts with uh, quarterback – and uh, a, a solid head coach, which John Fox to me, just too, way too vanilla in Chicago. He's made too many boneheaded decisions. I would have liked to have seen them keep Adam Gase, um, who, of course, ended up going to Miami. Niners fans know that name. Oh, he yeah. should have been the 49ers head coach in 2015. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Adam Gase, a good young mind, doing a nice job in Miami. 49ers got to see that up close and personal uh, last weekend. But, hey, they stuck with John Fox, and now here we are 2-9. and nine. You know, you're talking about the future with the Bears there. Uh, it looks like they've got a lot of young offensive weapons. I mean, Jordan Howard, a rookie, Jeremy Langford in the second season, even Kadeem Carey, third season. You got Cameron yeah. Meredith, who's starting to break out there as wide receiver in his second season. Marquise Wilson, even even starting to, you know, he came on last week, had a big game. He's in his fourth season. Uh, is it is it more of just uh, you don't have the quarterback and you don't have a team sort of thing? Yeah, and, and there's just – the defense, the, the Bears have yet to address. I mean, they spent a lot of money on that defense. You know, Pernell McPhee's a guy that uh, went healthy. He's, he's pretty good. But the, one of the issues with the Bears is always the secondary. And 
back when the Bears were a Super Bowl contender, I mean, they had Mike Brown, they had Peanut Tillman, Nate Vasher was a pro bowler. They had a dominant secondary, a nice linebacking core, a defensive identity, and that's been the thing in Chicago for how many years, going back to Singletary and Dick Budkiss. I mean, run the rock, play defense. That's kind of the bear way, and they just haven't had the defense. And we know in the modern NFL, you have to throw the ball. And yeah, they do have some nice weapons, Meredith. Is a decent player. Marquise Wilson, uh, you know, back in the conversation, I mean, he had basically done nothing all year, but we saw he had a couple of big games last year. Certain quarterbacks like throwing to certain guys. It seems like, uh, you know, now this is maybe Marquise Wilson's turn with Matt Barkley under center. Um, Hoyer likes throwing to Meredith. Color like throwing to Jeffrey. I mean, it's just it's, it's <laughs> kind of funny how it works out. Guys kind of have their, their safety blankets, their whoopies, if you will. And uh, But as far as talent, sure, they have some talent, but it's just not enough. And, you know, they don't have that, that leader under center, that guy that's going to take command, you know, one-score game in the fourth quarter. And, let's, you know, the, the margin between winning and losing in the NFL, guys, can be so thin. Um, and, you know, the Niners have seen those for the last couple of weeks. Like, they were in these last two games against Miami and Arizona, but they didn't quite have enough in the fourth quarter to get the job done. And that's what will separate, you know, uh, yeah. uh, the good teams from the, uh, the not-so-good teams. So, as far as talent for the Bears, yeah, there's a little something – but they need a whole hell of a lot of help, and they need a new head coach there, and they need a franchise quarterback, somebody to build around, and his name ain't Matt Barkley. So the offense, defense, you look at the stats, I mean, they're, they're both pretty middle of the road for the Bears there on, on you know, both passing and rushing. It, it's just the lack yeah. of points, you know, 16.2 points per game, second to last in the NFL. They're minus eight in the turnover right. column, you know. I mean, you just, you just can't have that in the right. NFL. You look at the remaining schedule. Niners at Detroit, Green Bay, Washington at Minnesota. Do you see another win in there for the Bears? I mean, yeah, the, the, the division games, uh, you know, the Bears have already beat Minnesota this year. They don't have a win outside of their division. Both their wins so far are in the division. Uh, those games are always tight. Every now and again, the Packers will just blow their doors off. Um, but for the most part, those two teams, you know, all those teams in the North see each other so much. Those games are often pretty tight. So, I, you know, they could possibly win another game in the division. And, you know, the Bears, the funny thing is, they may sneak up on you because they do have some talent on the defensive side of the ball. Right. Uh, we, we know that they can actually, you know, score some points here and there. And, you know, Soldier Field's a tough place to play, uh, you know, in the winter, whereas they're kind of used to those elements. But, I mean, yeah, they, they could possibly win another couple of games, but this is a 4-12 and 12 team. And, you know, the, the, whether, whether they finish 12 and, or, you know, 4-12, and 3-13, and 13, I mean, what, what does it matter? Like, the season was a loss. You know, the, as a whole, it was a loss. It was a disastrous season. And it's time, you know, again, a lot of parallels with these two teams. It's time to look to the future. And, uh, you know, once the season can get over, then they can reassess with personnel. Uh, you know, the kid Kevin White out of West Virginia, first-round pick last season, gets injured his rookie year, comes in this year, plays a couple of games, you know, looking pretty good, but, you know, some potential there, and then on IR again. And so they have been snake-bitten with injury. Um, but I mean, hey, you know, whether they go four and twelve, three and thirteen, it really doesn't matter. This is a, this is a, 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 a fledgling franchise right now. So yeah, this is pretty much the fighting for the second a second overall pick bowl, as it were, right now. I mean, Cleveland Cleveland's got that that top pick on lock. Right. Uh, and hey, we were ta- I was talking earlier uh, with one of my coworkers going zero and sixteen. That's hard to do, man. Like you really got to apply yourself to go zero and sixteen. And uh, Cleveland. They might be onto it there, yeah. but uh, I mean, it'll be you know the Niners and the Bears will be right there, and you know maybe we'll have this conversation again next year because they'll play each other because they're <laughs> both going to finish last in their division. Yeah, I think that's happened one time before. Zero and sixteen, the Lions, I believe, the year they ended the up Lions, drafting yep. uh, Matthew Stafford, yep. right? 
Oh, yeah. What a fun year that was. <laughs> you brought up those injuries. I, I want to talk a little bit more specifically about Kevin White and Leonard Floyd, two young players, uh, the two past yeah. first-round draft picks for the Bears. And obviously you haven't seen a ton of them. And uh, the, the last time I saw the Bears was I was trying to tune in to watch Kevin White when he was playing earlier in the season. Uh, that didn't last long, and he, he didn't have much of a much of a game. Looked a little bit stiff out there, maybe a little bit uh, tentative. Yeah. Uh, what have you seen from him? And and likewise, what have you seen from Floyd? I wasn't totally sold on Leonard Floyd coming out. Thought he was a little bit, little bit lean. Didn't have a lot of power yeah. rush. He was kind of all about speed. Have you seen any strides from them in the limited action that they've had? Yeah. Well, I mean, unfortunately, White's gone back on IR, um, so he's got another injury. So we've only seen him. He will have only played. I think four, maybe five games in two seasons heading into next year. So, I mean, in the time that I did see him, I wasn't overly impressed. He was getting better uh, as he got in rhythm, but, you know, they were still dealing with injuries at the quarterback position, so it's hard for everybody to get on the same page. And, I mean, John Fox's offense is just kind of kind of vanilla and kind of just putrid to watch at times. So, uh, why, you know, he had a lot of factors working against him. The thing I was disappointed, the first game of the year, Bears at Texans, uh, White, color targeted him a ton of times, and White runs the wrong route and ends up, uh, color throws a pick that ends up kind of breaking their back. And it's like, look, you've been on the sidelines for an entire season. His whole rookie year, he was on IR. What key, do you have control over? You can study that playbook. You can know it front and back, up and down. Like, to me, a guy that's been on the sidelines for over a year and now is getting his feet wet in the NFL, there is no excuse for that. And, I mean, when you, you, know, you take a guy in the first round, like – there's a certain level of expectation there. So, yeah. so far, White can be considered nothing but a bust. I mean, I, I hate to use injuries, you know, as, as the, you know, the deciding vote is whether a guy's a bust or not. But if you're not on the field producing, like, what else, what else can I call you, you know? Right. As far right. as Floyd, uh, I like Floyd from day one. I mean, he's, he's fast. Uh, you know, he's got just a, a great feel. Um, you know, he, he can come off the edge. He can make some plays. Uh, he's got a great instinct. Uh, you know, just some guys just kind of look the part, the kind of tackling machine. Uh, you know, he's not like a, you know, a Luke Keekley or like, a, you know, maybe an Alden Smith in his prime, but he could approach somewhere near that, that area. You know, nice outside linebacker. He could even play a little inside. Um, I don't know if he's big enough to play end in a 4-3, but in a 3-4, he can play that outside linebacker. And uh, I think he's going to be a nice piece. Uh, he did get hurt a couple of weeks ago, but he made a big play in the Green Bay game. I think he ended up scoring a touchdown in that game. And uh, just something, you know, every time I watch, I would watch the Bears play, I would see something from Floyd where I'd be like, okay, there's something to hang our hat on. So Bears fans, they're hanging their hat on Leonard Floyd defensively, Jordan Howard offensively, and really there's not much else to go on there. And, you know, I imagine they'll be parting ways with John Fox after this year, although the Bears are notoriously stingy and Fox is under contract for one more year. So maybe we will see him back in Chicago in uh, 2017. Personally, I hope not. I mean, they need to turn the page uh, quickly and from Jay Cutler as well, because uh, we've seen what can happen with Jay Cutler. No playoffs, what, you know, they're going to go 3-13, and 4-12, and 12, something like that. So let's try it without Jay Cutler. It couldn't be much worse. <laughs> so three combined wins between these two teams. Obviously, you've had the unique uh, <laughs> Doesn't experience. Doesn't it just roll off the tongue? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wins combined for these two teams. Yep. So, so week 13. It's got to be four combined yep. wins, right, unless uh, unless it's a 0-0 tie or something uh, after this weekend. Yeah. But you followed both teams, yeah. a unique person that has been f- following the Niners for KMBR, you know, and as a Bears fan, who is Ryan Covey sure. putting his money on this Sunday? Oh, man. You know what? I would probably go with the 49ers just because I think Cap is more equipped to uh, to move that ball and, and, and score points against a very bad Bears defense. 
than Matt Barkley is to score points against a very bad 49ers defense. Um, that would be my only inclination is that I would give the edge to Cap over Barkley. Because um, Cap, you know, let's face it, uh, he hasn't been dominant by any stretch. I mean, he hasn't won a game, so there's that. <laughs> but uh, he he has been um, playing better than I thought he was going to. So, and I mean, that's, that's faint praise, I suppose. But, I mean, we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here, boys. Uh, so, I would say advantage Niners. But, I mean, you know, it's one of those whoever wins this game in the grand scheme of things might be the loser because of draft position. So, mm-hmm. hey, you know, it'll be fun. I'm, I'm actually going back out there again. I'll be doing the parabolics. Um, nice. You know, when I signed up for this, yeah, when, when I signed up for this gig uh, again this year, I was thinking, hey, maybe the Bears will be in the playoff run. <laughs> oh, and they're two and nine. So, yeah, uh, no quarterback. Uh, you know, no Alshon Jeffrey. He's taking steroids. Everybody on our team is getting suspended <laughs> for steroids. And you know, it's just a, it's a big decision. You can't be. By the way, on that note, you can't be two and nine and get caught for taking steroids. If you're nine right. and two, okay, cool. But you can't take juice on a two and nine team, like. You 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 you're you're just you're screwing up so bad. Like I just can't even describe how disappointing that was. So Alshon will be gone after this year. But yeah, maybe the winner of this game is the real loser because you know they they slide down a spot on the uh, draft board. But both of these teams will be looking for uh, a lot of the same things in the draft uh, this coming year, along with the Cleveland Browns. So congratulations, guys. Uh, both of the teams that we love are uh, in the conversation with the Cleveland Browns. Doesn't that feel nice? <laughs> he is a jack of all trades at KBR and in life. Follow him on Twitter at Thank Ryan you. Covey. Hey Ryan, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thanks Ryan. Hey, hey you hey. know I love you guys. Uh, you know we all we all play fantasy football. Oblong balls, best fantasy football league going. Um, and uh, looking forward to the playoffs. I am going to sneak in and shake up the world for, again. Who's in first place? <laughs> I'm sorry. I forgot who's in first oh, place. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Some guy, but you know I. I I seem to recall getting the last wild card spot last year and then running the table and then you having to give me my trophy back. So I do remember that. But, yeah, hey, but for real, though, you know, I love you guys. Happy holidays. And, uh, yeah, I'll get an up-close-and-personal look. I'm going to be on the 49ers sideline um, for the first half of the game. So I think I'm going to try and get a selfie with uh, Cap kneeling during the anthem. So we'll see if I can pull that off. (laughs) Nice. you know, maybe uh, maybe have a, a nice little keepsake from Chicago. But hey, the Cubs won the World Series, so Chicago will be a lot of yeah, fun anyway. True. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, say yeah, that. Exactly. I'll, I'll do my best, Dan. But <laughs> hey, did you guys see that video in Minnesota a couple uh, two weeks yeah. ago with the parabolic guy coming across? Oh yeah, and just getting wiped out. That oh yeah, that. Yeah, a couple people sent me that. Like, hey, is this gonna be you? I was like, <laughs> well, you know, I like to think I got a faster first step than that, but hey, it could be. You know. <laughs> hey, continued success. I love you, boys. All right, All right thanks, we'll see brother. You. Yeah, you know, you, you, you mentioned that the 49ers are going to – you, you predicting them to, to win this game. And after talking to Kobe, I, you know, I, I I will support you. I think the 49ers are going to win this weekend as well. Yeah, well, I, I was wondering if he would go homer on us and say, no, nah, man, the Bears are the Bears are going to do it, especially after watching the 49ers <laughs> all year, the 1-10 Niners over at KMBR. But, yeah, I think we're unanimous then. I think the 49ers have a good shot at winning this game. And here's what happens if you want to look at the draft. So right now it's – Browns won at 0-12. The 49ers won in 10. They've got sole possession of the second pick if the season ended today. Then you have the Jaguars and the Bears. And right now, actually, the Jaguars would be picking third and the Bears fourth because the tiebreaker is a strength of schedule. And uh, Jaguars opponents have a 533 winning percentage. Bears opponents have a 541. And uh, mm-hmm. of all those four teams, the 49ers, again, which is usually the case, have the highest opponents winning percentage at 558. So if the 49ers beat the Bears and the Jaguars lose, the 49ers would actually leapfrog both teams and be picking fourth. All right. Well, then uh, 
I mean, I'm predicting a win, but you know, the the brain side of me, the future side of me, the uh, get as many great picks as you can part of me is saying go Bears. And here, get this. So we go further down the road. You talked about that Jets game. If the 49ers beat the Jets, the Jets are in the five hole right now. And they're three wow. and eight. So if the Jets, if the 49ers beat the Jets and they're both three win teams at the end of the year, jump back to the five spot. And there's uh, one other, I think there's one other three win team. Yeah, the Bengals have three wins. They're three, seven, and one, though. So the tiebreaker, they would lose because they have that tie in there as a three loss team. Then you have the Rams. So these next two games. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna play a lot into uh, where the the 49ers pick second or like fifth or sixth. Yeah, so it's still not insane the 49ers are compl- are drafting outside of the top five, or they still have a chance for that number one pick because all it would take is uh, the Browns actually after the Niners have the second highest strength of schedule at 570. Actually, they have a higher strength of schedule than the 49ers, wow. 571. So actually, if the Browns and Niners, if everything stayed the same, the 49ers would win that tiebreaker and draft first. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 things just got very interesting. Uh, why don't we take a look then at the Cleveland Browns remaining schedule? Okay, so for the Browns, this weekend, they're ta- they, they're by. They have their bye, finally. Next weekend, they're at home against the Bengals. You mentioned the Bengals. Not a very good football team. That's a home game for Cleveland. That could definitely be a win coming off of a bye. Then they go at Bills, home against the Chargers. Chargers have always traveled the East very horribly. And then they finish up at the Steelers. So I don't think they're going to win that game. But I see two very winnable games in their next four. Hey, you know what? Whatever. 49ers win some games. Guess what? You get to watch the 49ers win, right? That's that's. There we go. So you have to look at the bright side, right? 49ers lose. Guess what? Better draft pick. 49ers wins. Hey, 49ers won. We got to see the 49ers win a game. <laughs> well, something we've only done once a really long time ago. All right. Let's get out of here. Yep. As always, you can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Nick on Twitter at Bay Area Week. We're on iTunes. We're everywhere. Subscribe. Review the show. That always helps. Email goldfaithful49 at gmail.com. Thanks to our guests, Rob Lauder and Ryan Covey. And we will talk to you next time. See you.